water, so hold on. All right, as Brother Mike's already read the passages of Scripture this morning, we're going to be taking our text from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter number 7. If you will, please open your Bibles and follow along as we study these passages this morning. If you're wondering why I'm taking my watch off, don't worry about it. I'm not going to watch it anyway. I mean, what you going to do, fire me <laughs> if I preach too long? <laughs> Might have got you in trouble. But <laughs> okay, we've got that out of the way. We've got the time out of the way. So now let's delve into the Word of God. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7, is the ending of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of this great great message that our Lord taught us. He gave some very, very important, very stern warnings, some eye-openers, if you will. Uh, and I pray this morning that uh, these words that I'm about to uh, share with you uh, may be eye-opening to you. I want to give you some statistics. Everybody likes statistics, right? Some numbers, things you can kind of just think about. And this is according to a United Nations census that was taken in 2016. So the numbers may be off just a little bit, but I want you to bear this in mind. Did you know that there is between 7.7 .7 and 7.8 billion people in the world today? Now, to help you wrap your head around it, you know, we spout off these numbers, but to kind of help you wrap your head around all of the people in all of the nations in this world, it is 240,000 miles to the moon. It's 25,000 miles around the moon. Our earth is 250 thousand miles around. If you were to take those people, the 7.7 .7 to 7.8 billion people in the world today, and you were to line them up heel to toe, they would go to the moon four times, circle the moon six times come back to this earth and circle our earth twice. That kind of gives you a little bit of the, the, I don't know, it's just the awesomeness and the multitude of people that are on this earth today. Heel to toe, lining them up. And of those seven point, let's go ahead and round it up to 7.8 billion people that are on the earth right now, 84% of that 7.8 billion profess some type of religious background. 84%. Of that 84%, 32% 
profess to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's somewhere around 324 million people profess to know, and I reiterate the word profess to know Jesus Christ. Profess. 79% of the American population, 370 plus million people, is what the census say of the latest numbers. 79% or 256 million people here in the United States profess to know Jesus Christ. Does that open your eyes to something? 79% profess to know Jesus Christ. And our society, the morality of our nation, of this country, is going down the toilet. There's something wrong. Something is dreadfully wrong when 79% of our population here in the United States profess to know Jesus Christ and the moralities of this country are like a dog. Something's wrong. Which brings us to this message this morning that I want to bring to you. And in our study, I hope to show, as our Lord did, there's always, always two types of people. Two types of people. And I'm not talking about white or black or red or yellow. I'm not talking about the different religions in our world today. But there's only two types of people in the world today. You are a believer in Jesus Christ or you're not. And that's all there is. Two types of people. I hope this morning that everyone here within the sound of my voice can affirmatively, without hesitation, say that, yes, I know the Savior. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. That's my prayer this morning. If you're here today and you've been deceived, if you're here today and you're under the trickery of religion, I hope that this would be the, God, the day that God has set forth in eternity past that he's going to grant you repentance and faith today. That's my prayer. In this study, it goes back, if you will, to verse 13. As, as I'd like to cover just a few things before we get to what I'm calling a tale of two builders. A tale of two builders. In verses 13, we're told that there's two ways. There's a broad way, there's a narrow way. There's a broad path that leads to destruction and there's a narrow way that leads to life. In verses 15 through 20, we find that there's two trees there. There's two proclamations that are made there. You have false prophets and you have the true prophets. You have those trees that bring forth good fruit. You have those trees that bring forth bad fruit. And in, in verses 21 to 23, there's two claims there. Two claims there. He says that not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. Their claim is, well, Lord, didn't we do wonderful works in your name? 
Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Work mighty miracles in your name? Folks, the next statement I'm going to make, I hope, I pray, I plead that you never hear this statement, the statement that Jesus made to this. He said, in that day, you will hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never, not that I once knew you, but I never, never knew you. One day after a while, beloved, listen to me. Each and every one of us will stand before God. You're either going to stand there in your own worth and your own righteousness, or you're going to stand there clothed in the righteousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, which one will it be? Which one will it be? Two builders. We're going to look at verses 24 through verse number 29. There's a wise and a foolish builder that our Lord gives us here in these claims. And today, as I said, we're going to, to try to look at a, a tale of two builders. A tale of two builders. And it's only by the, listen to me, it's, look up here now. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning that can bring you to light. That's the only hope we got. If you're, if you're putting your hope and you're putting your, your, your trust that this preacher is going to say something that will all of a sudden, oh, a light just come on. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Just as our Lord finished his message there, they were astonished at his words. We don't have any record of any conversions, though. But by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, listen to me, by the power of the Holy Spirit and only by the power of the Holy Spirit can he bring something out of a dead carcass. And that's what we all were, dead in trespasses and sin. But thanks be to God, he gives life. He gives life. And it's only by his power, not by your own merit, not by your own worth. God forbid that you leave this place today in a lost condition as this foolish builder. So let's look at the, the passages. Look at verse 24. And I, I, I hope, I pray that you all have your Bibles there. You have those Bibles open. And I pray that this would be the day that you make your calling and your election sure. The first thing we want to do is we want to look at some comparisons. Some comparisons of these two builders. We find that in this short parable, right, that we have here before us, it, it appears to speak to two different types of people. The two people that Jesus pictures here have several important characteristics in common. And we're going to point those out. The first thing, in verse number 24 and 25, look at what he says. Therefore, therefore, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The first thing I want you to know 
in comparison with these two builders is they both heard the word of God. They both heard the word of God, the words of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. They knew the way of salvation. They knew the gospel. They sat and they listened as some pastor or teacher taught them the scriptures. Perhaps even from a child, they knew what it was to hear the gospel message. And I'm not talking about just a bogus message out there anywhere. I'm talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't fake theology. It was truth. They both heard the truth. But you know something this morning, beloved? Two people can be sitting in the same congregation, listening to the same preacher, hit the same message. To one, it is life. To the other, it's like water falling off a duck's back. They hear it, they listen to it, they smile at it, they accept it quickly. Just like in the parable of the sower. When the seed was sown, they grabbed it quickly and they took it up. But because there was no root, it fell away. God help. God help in in our society today with people that don't dig deep into the foundations of truth, that doesn't take the time to do the day's work for their eternal soul. These two builders, the wise as well as the foolish, knew what it was to read their Bibles. They knew what it was to sit in a Sunday school classroom. They knew what it was to sit under the sound a preaching that was true. But one of them was wise, the other foolish. They both built a house. They both were working. They were both about church activities. They might have been teachers. They might have been someone that stood in the pulpit. They may have been one that led the song services. They may have been those that took up the offerings. They were faithful uh, members of a church. And it's not just a Baptist church. It could be any church. They knew they were busy about doing church things. But still, one of them was wise. The other was foolish. They built the same kind of house on the outside. You couldn't tell the difference. I mean, they had the same roof, same design, same shutters, same windows, same doors. From the outside, you couldn't tell any difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder. And it's the same way. Folks, I can't look at you from the outside and tell you whether or not I believe that you have a security in Christ. I don't know. Neither can you tell about me. I mean, I clean up pretty good on the Sunday mornings. Yes, you like this. Absolutely, I took a shower. I put on my deodorant. I brushed my teeth. I combed what few hairs I've got left. 
You know, it used to be a bunch, but now I can tell you, yeah, just <laughs> slick them down. I mean, but on the, on the outside, look at me, folks. I look like Rachel. Amen. another comparison that we have here these guys as I said a lot of comparisons here they might have went to the same church same look probably even the same speech Maybe even the same kind of response. They knew the gospel. They had heard it from the Jesus himself. Would you please turn with me real quickly to the book of 1 Corinthians, just so we can rehearse it a little bit, the gospel? The gospel? You know, we hear that, that term used a lot whenever we're trying to stress the truth. I said, well, it's gospel. And then we think that any form of teaching, any form of, uh, of doctrine, if you will, any form of theology is, is gospel. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what the pure message of the gospel is. Paul sums it up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses 1 through 4. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the truth, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed it in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the purity of the message of the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if you're hanging the eternal weight of your soul on anything else other than the gospel, it will fall. I've met a lot of people that fall in love with doctrine. They love doctrine. And I like doctrine. I like, I like to study doctrine. But folks, we need to fall in love with the Savior, not a doctrine. 
Let's look at some differences now. We've looked at a few comparisons. Let's look at some differences in these, these two builders here. One builder builds his house on sand. Now, what do we know about sand? Sand is not stable, right? Those of you that's been to the beaches and maybe built your little sand castles and you get it all nice and neat, and next thing you know, it's falling apart. It's always moving. Sand is always moving. It offers no firm foundation to build upon. This is a pitcher who builds on human philosophy, perhaps human wisdom. How about human opinions? How about religion? People who build their house. Now that house is a picture of you or your life. Build it on religion. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it the Lord willing, as long as I keep my sanity, that the most damnable heresy in the world today is religion. You know, beloved, Satan does not care how religious you get. He don't care. You get as religious as you want. He don't want you to know Christ. He don't want you to be saved. He don't want you to put your hope, all your hope, in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So you go ahead. Satan says, join all the churches in every community around the world. I don't care. Put your name on every church roll, sign and shake every preacher's hand. Do all you want. It's good to your neighbor. I just don't want you to know Jesus. Folks, if you're building it on religion, if you're building it on what you can do, what you can accomplish, you have to go back to Titus 3 and verse 5 where it says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he has saved us. You say, well, preacher, what's a work of righteousness? Well, it's doing the right thing. It's doing what religious leaders tell you in order for you to be saved, in order for you to be a member of this church, you need to do A, B, C, and D. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing good works. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be out here living a clean, a holy life. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if you're thinking that by doing that, you're going to merit worth with God, you're wrong. You see, part of salvation is not just forgiveness of your sins it's not just the forgiveness of your sins but it's taking on the robe of righteousness that is furnished us by Christ that he supplies but so many of us think that well I can work my way to heaven you know I'll do this I'll do that I'll do the other you know God will be pleased let's go back to what I told you about those statistics for just a minute you remember how many people I told you was in the world today about 7.8 billion people. How many times if you lined them up heel to toe, heel to toe, it would reach to the moon four times, circle the moon six times, come back to the earth, go around the earth two times? Do you know if you took every one of those 7.8 billion people and you put every good work that they done
he suffered the sin debt that I owed. He took my place. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. He knew no sin, but he became sin that I might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, folks, he took my place. If he took your place, you're considered a wise builder. But if you're standing in your own merit and worth this morning, if you're standing in the fact that just because you belong to Powell's Chapel Baptist Church and you have been for 30 years, if you're holding on to that as your source of righteousness, if you stand before Christ, your house will fall because there's a storm that's coming. Both of these houses, both of these houses, it's not a matter of when the storm, if the storm comes, it's when. For both, the wise as well as the foolish. There's a greater storm coming, though, and that storm's known as the judgment of God. Now, I want to tell you something. I want you to listen very closely to me this morning. There's only two. There's only two places that God judges sin. There's only two, nothing else. It's either in you or on the cross. But my question to you this morning, beloved, is this. Where's your sins going to hang? Are they going to hang on a blood-stained, rugged cross where Jesus Christ suffered and died? Or are they going to hang on your good works, on your church membership, on your baptism, on your, the, on your theology, on your doctrine? Where are they hanging? Both of these men, both of these builders suffered the storm. The wind raged. The, the, it, it blew. The, the, the rain hit hard against it. The one whose house was built on that rock stood if your house is built on Jesus Christ, the storms of life may shake it, but it'll never fall. There's many times, brothers and sisters, that I've been shaken on that rock, but that rock's never been shaken. That rock's never been shaken, and it never will. In closing, The builder whose foundation was on the rock. The word rock here refers to a, a large bedrock, not just a, a little stone out here, but a large foundational bedrock. Now, Matthew doesn't record it, but the Gospel of Luke records it, that the wise man dug deep. He dug deep to find this rock. You know, the thing about the, the, the foolish person here. It shows like it does in a lot of character of, of those who are building their house on sand is they're looking for a quick and easy thing. You know, well, these false prophets here that he's talking about, they're, they're selling them real estate of sand, something that won't stand. And these foolish people, well, let's get it quick. Let's get it quick. But 
the wise person digs. What are you digging? You dig into his word. You dig into this. Now, in and of itself, listen closely. In and of itself, your Bible reading won't save you. Did you know that? In and of itself. In and of itself, coming to an old-fashioned altar won't save you. In and of itself, praying the sinner's prayer will not save you. Now, we offer a time of invitation where we invite people to come so that we can pray with you, perhaps counsel with you. But in the, in the New Testament, an outward sign of conversion is what? Baptism. It wasn't walking an aisle. That come up a couple of hundred years ago. All walking an aisle does, beloved, is move the center from the back to the front. It's just geography. That's all it is. True conversion takes place in the heart. And when something happens in the heart, an outward sign, you, you want to tell the world, I've been saved. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed me from all my unrighteousness. We understand what Jesus said in John 14. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there's many mansions, many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He says, I'm the way. I'm not a way. Not many ways. But I am the way. The truth. And the life. Listen to this next part of the verse. No man, no one, Come unto the Father except through me. You can build your house on sand, beloved. On religion, good works. Whatever you runs into that little head of yours that thinks that it might merit you worth with God. But let me stand before you today and tell you that the only hope that you, I, or anybody else will ever have is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the rock. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. The Lord says, Peter, or he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. But who do you say that I am? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, blessed Art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven? And he says, Upon this rock, what? Not Peter, but upon that confession that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will never, ever prevail against it. Folks, in closing this morning, there's only two places to stand. You're wise, you're foolish. You're lost, 
or you're saved. You've taken Christ at his word and you've taken that word and you've built a strong house upon it and you're trusting in it. You're relying in it in the finished work of Jesus Christ or you're trusting in yourself what you can do, what you have done. What about it today? What are you trusting in? Where is your house built and what is your house built upon? Is it built upon Jesus Christ and his righteousness or upon what you have done? While we stand this morning, Brother Rob, if you will come at this time and let's have a song of invitation. An invitation that you can let this congregation know that Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, has entered into your heart and into your mind and enlightened your mind to show you that you need a Savior. And you've accepted him as Savior today. Make it known in this place today. Don't leave this house today if you're not sure that Christ is your only hope. That you'll be in heaven one day based upon his work and his alone. Brother Todd, if you would come and please stand here in front of the congregation.